This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a retiree and a volunteer with NTEU Chapter 49, uh, and I'm once again uh, talking with the chapter president for Chapter 49, Duncan Giles. So, Duncan, uh, we, we have, we've had some technical issues in the past. We're trying to figure out ways around them, but every time we do, something else pops up. So let's hope this, this goes as smoothly as possible. Well, that's, that's it. It's like uh, one step forward, not two steps backward. We're hoping uh, one step forward, only a half a step back. All right, so we'll, we'll do the best we can with what we have here. The first thing I, I would like to talk about, there's so much. It's interesting. You and I talked about this time yesterday, and you were woeing, uh, bemoaning the fact there wasn't much news this week. Well, that changed in a, just a few hours after that. But there's been a lot happening lately. And I did post, uh, by the way, we, we communicate regularly on our Facebook page, which is, our, if you're looking for our Facebook page, it's NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. If you want to search for it, you can follow us, like us. Just uh, whatever you may want to do. We try to post the, the most uh, recent news that we have there. And we did post late last night information we received from our national union officials that the state of Indiana will be opening up. But we're going to talk all about that in a moment. But I think we need to talk about one of the most important things facing all of us uh, in America, and that's the, the death of George Floyd. We, we as a union... Uh, our National Union President, Tony Reardon, posted a statement, which I also posted on our Facebook site for the chapter. I know you are one of the few people uh, still working in downtown Indianapolis. You, you drive around downtown. You're at the federal building. Uh, first of all, uh, just just kind of give me your thoughts on what America is going through right now in, in the wake of, of Mr. Floyd's death. I, you know, this is just a microism of, what's happened for centuries basically to me you know as as a older white american male there's no way that i can exactly identify with what happens to african americans there's just not because white privilege is real and it shouldn't be but we need to make sure that when we're looking at someone or talking to someone we're not looking at their color their gender their sexuality any of that we're not looking at anything like that. Are they a good person? Or are they not a good person? That's all that should matter. There shouldn't be anybody, you know, I'm, I've had a lot of police officer friends, and I've had a lot of friends that are police officers that have looked the other way when abuses have happened with their fellow uh, officers. And that is absolutely freaking wrong and must stop. We cannot have those types of issues. If something is going on that's wrong, somebody needs to stop in, step in and stop it immediately. We cannot let this kind of thing go on. It's gone on way, way, way too long, and it can't go on any longer. I am fully behind any peaceful protest that tries to bring attention to this matter to try and change the minds of people that say, oh, it's not that big of a deal, or oh, there's not any implicit uh, racism in authority. Yeah, there is. Whether it's conscious or unconscious, as I said, white privilege is a thing, and it shouldn't be. And we need to be aware of this, and we need to be making systemic changes so that everybody, uh, you know, as Tony said, everybody has an opportunity to be judged on their merits 
and that's all it should be. As I said earlier, there are a lot of people who normally work in downtown Indianapolis who have not been reporting there in recent weeks. Uh, in light of the demonstrations that have been going on just about every day since Mr. Floyd's death in downtown and Indianapolis and areas surrounding that, uh, how is it different? Uh, the atmosphere different? Just, just sort of express how things are different working downtown these days. I've got about a three-block walk from uh, the parking garage where I'm at right now to the federal building and then also driving in. And you see a lot of uh, boarded up places uh, in the immediate downtown area because of some of the destruction that happened from idiots, not peaceful protesters, but idiots that caused some destruction. Um, You know, I've seen at the Indiana War Memorial right across from the federal building every day I walk past that. Not only did they put up uh, the sawhorse red, orange and white barricades, but they also put up the uh, concrete barriers like you see in the interstate. Tuesday, when I was walking, um, again, walking back to my car in the afternoon, I saw that the, you know, the federal building was a staging area for state and local uh, police officials. And I actually saw National Guards, uh, guardsmen with, uh, with automatic weapons patrolling the war memorial that's something i had not seen up until that point did not see it yesterday either uh so it it can be a little bit tense but for the you know i i compliment 99.9 percent of the folks that are out here protesting they're doing the right thing they're listening to law enforcement they're trying to get their message out and doing so quite effectively and so i absolutely salute that yeah and i I, you know i have my own little uh commentaries I do uh, as a retired guy and I and I have my point has always been ever since it started that we all need to listen to what the protesters are saying what they say they want and then move forward uh, from there well let's move on to what's going on uh, with NTEU in Indiana uh, I would assume at least in the judgment of IRS management, the uh, openings that have happened in three states, Kentucky, Texas, and Utah, have worked out well enough that the service is now beginning to open up. It's uh, doing this in phases. The one that will impact Indiana is uh, June 29th. Uh, This was kind of dropped on NTEU late on Wednesday, uh, June the 3rd. So we got the word out as quickly as we could on our Facebook page. So tell me, uh, when you read uh, the commissioner's message, what our national union uh, president uh, has been communicating, uh, I'd like to know your initial. We're going to dr- drill down into some details, but give me your initial overall thoughts on this. Well, it's kind of funny when you said, you know, they guess the rollout went okay. Uh, we believe, and especially myself believe, that they had already planned on how the rollout was going to go and were not letting national NTU know. Uh, for example, there were rumors uh, that have bounded, been abounding for uh, oh, well over a week that the Kansas City Service Center was going to be opening on June the 15th. And NTU asked straight up IRS several times about this, and they said, oh, we have no plans. We have no plans. We haven't made any decisions. But lo and behold, last night, well, yeah, we're going to be opening the Kansas City Service Center on the 15th. 
and I kept getting the sense and feeling that sometime around the 4th of July or just before it, that they would be opening up uh, call sites. And lo and behold, Indiana is opening because we have a call site in uh, Indianapolis. And there we go. We are opening up on the 29th. So I think that there was some planning on this well before they decided to ever let us know. And that, again, is one of the problems with not being transparent. Yeah, and I, I did try to make it clear that was management's view, not necessarily ours as a union. Uh, so your suspicion is that this was the plan all along unless something just totally melted down. And uh, as far as we know, nothing totally melted down. But really, if you look at the plans for the first three states, they were fairly minimal and it wouldn't be too hard to meet those criteria. That's very true, and they are taking into account the people who are high risk, and they've had probably about 20% or so uh, of those in each of the three states that are not reporting at this time due to that high-risk situation. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about some details, because when NTEU was informed of this, they have some concerns that they want to de- to um, raise, I guess is the best way to put that, uh, they want to raise several issues as this has been announced. Uh, the first one is is um, the safety of employees returning. Uh, do we have any idea how management, whether it be downtown Indianapolis, Evansville, Merrillville, call center, uh, we really don't have any idea what management plans to do in terms of protecting people's health. So what will NTEU be looking at as this opening is, is planned? Well, the main thrust that the IRS has been saying is the self-check before you walk in the door each day, i.e., do you feel sick? Have you been around anybody that's sick? Do you think you have a temperature? If, if the answer is no to any of those, you're okay to come on in. We happen to think there's a little bit more to that. Um, we're very concerned. We want to make sure that, uh, that people have PPE, that they have protective equipment, Um, We are in the finalized process of ordering masks. We'll have masks for every member. Uh, Usually takes a couple-week turnaround. But our uh, vice president of Chapter 49, Kathy Corbin, is finalizing those, and we're hoping to have that deal sealed uh, by early next week and so we can get those ordered for everyone. Um, You know, the IRS is saying they will supply masks, but we're not sure we wanted something that's cloth and washable with a logo made by union employees. So we've uh, searched long and hard to uh, find that. Uh, things like sanitizer we're a little bit concerned about because we had heard that they all the sanitizer that facilities had come up with, they said, okay, we're going to put these in the three states that are opening, which is understandable. Well, now they've got less than 14 and 28 days to get it in the other states that are opening on the uh, 15th and the 29th. So we want to make sure that there's plenty of sanitizer, that there's updated cleaning, that they make sure that there's going to be physical separation, um, things of that nature. People talk about gloves, and the thing is with gloves, once you drill down and take a look at that, Gloves should be for one-time use only, so gloves are not as effective. They CDC recommends vigorous hand-washing several times a day 
rather than doing gloves. But masks, of course, are something that you're protecting others. It's not to protect yourself. It's that you may be asymptomatic and not realize you have COVID. And if so if you're in a crowd, you're going to be wearing a mask. You're not going to be required to if you're in a cubicle or in an office just by yourself. But otherwise, um, you should be wearing a mask if you're in a crowd just to protect other employees. Well, one thing that struck me about this this message that uh, that was uh, dropped last night uh, from the day that we're, rec- we're recording this on, on June the 4th, uh, what struck me is that with all the information being provided, yes, we're coming back, we're opening up, but in light of what you were talking about in terms of separation and other issues, uh, the service is also saying not everyone is coming back. What, what do they mean by that? Well, that's a really interesting question, and I'd like to know exactly what they do mean by that. And what the plan is supposed to be is that before the states open back up, that the business units will be reaching out to the local chapters to talk about exactly what that will mean. Now, I haven't heard anything from anyone yet. Surprise, surprise. And it wouldn't surprise me if I didn't hear anything until the week before. What I'm surmising, my best educated guess is, is right now they're saying that everybody who is teleworking, they want them to continue teleworking. So if you're a field employee, they're going to want you to stay at home doing your telework. Now, does that mean their ROs are still not going to do field calls or agents are not going to be going uh, to audit sites? That's an excellent question. I do not believe the ROs will be making field calls. In certain instances, will RAs be able to go to audit sites? That's one question that I would love to know the answer to, as would a lot of RAs. Are employees at the call site going to be able to make sure that they are going to be physically separated enough that they're not going to be risking to get COVID? So we're going to be watching that. We're also going to be making sure that our folks in the tax across the state, you know, okay, they're going to be given work to do because they're not going to be meeting with taxpayers immediately, and we're not sure when that might occur. What type of work are they going to be doing? Have they been trained on it? For folks like uh, TCOs that usually meet with the public and have been working from home, you know, there are certain questions that we're going to want to ask, how is that going to work now? Is the actual buildings going to be opened up for any taxpayers at all? These are all questions we don't know the answers to yet, and I'm looking forward to having those discussions with the business units. I'm sure they're not looking to having them with me, but I'm looking forward to having them with them. Well, I'm sure that's totally accurate. Uh, How should I put this? The message that the national... Uh, management of IRS has been communicating with the national representatives of NTEU uh, basically says, well, you know, we want as many people teleworking as possible. And I think that has probably been true in the compliance areas with uh, ROs and RAs, that sort of thing. Uh, but when it comes to the call center employees, you know, we we're, you keep uh, telling me stories when we talk on a regular basis about the lack of the 25-foot Ethernet cable, Some many times that, that modem that uh, powers the Internet into your home is a very long way from where you'll be working or can do so uh, securely and safely. 
So those have not been delivered to a lot of people who have requested them. Headsets have not even been uh, delivered to everyone who needs them. So I guess the question, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but do you have any clue exactly how many people working on the phones at the Indianapolis call center are successfully and regularly working telework right now? I do not have firm numbers on that. Um, I think it's because it's very, very fluid. Situation changes darn near daily, depending upon if people are having trouble with the Internet or they, um, again, the Ethernet problem. And for those not familiar with what we're talking about, because most of the people teleworking are saying, well, you know, you just plug into your Wi-Fi system, your Wi-Fi on your home system, and you're good to go. Unfortunately, for those that are uh, taking calls in, they're not allowed to do that. They have to have an Ethernet cord directly plugged into their modem. So it severely limits how far they can be from their modem for their work area. And a lot of times, even a 25-foot cord is not going to be sufficient. I've talked to some management officials who went out and purchased their own 100-foot cords. And then, you know, we're all dealing with the fact that, um, you know, whether they are field employees, call site employees, that they may be sharing bandwidth with family members who are working from home or school. So those also play a part in it, and sometimes people's Internet has been going up and down. I can tell you yesterday, Comcast's Internet went down for Indianapolis for approximately, I think they said 16,000 people for at least an hour. So that would have been time that they would not have been able to do that. Yeah, I, so saw, we, I, saw, a ma- yeah. I saw a map of that outage. It wasn't just Indianapolis, Duncan. It was... Most of the Midwest <laughs> was right. out. Well, I was just talking about Indianapolis. Well, but but that's going to be an issue for IRS for a whole ton of people in, outside Indiana. So, yeah, the, that's an excellent point. Okay, we're all hooked up, we're ready to go, and then our internet connection's out. You know, what do we do next? And and you know, dealing with the bandwidth problem that the IRS has to begin with, and so now we're trying to make sure that the folks who uh, maybe have some are either high risk or would prefer to telework, and now they've gotten a firm date that they have to come back into the office. Are they going to want to try and update what they have at home so they can work from home and telework instead of come in? So when the service set tells NTEU nationally, where we are committed to expanding telework to as many employees as possible. Uh, based on what you're telling me, that may ring hollow with these call centers because they're, uh, based on what you have seen, the commitment, at least from the entire service, doesn't seem to be there. Well, once again, uh, the service is 16 different IRSs. This is a great case for that because the vast majority of divisions want their folks to work from home and just be there. Whereas, uh, W&I is uh, very worried that the bandwidth will not be able to support the vast numbers of people they've got teleworking now. So what they've been saying on the one hand is we want everybody to telework as much as possible. Oh, wait, but when your state opens up, we want you to definitely come back in. Well, if I'm as effective teleworking as I am in the office answering phone calls, what's the difference? And we haven't been able to get a good answer on that. Well, the other issue, uh, it ties in with what we just talked about a few minutes ago. I mean, 
with the, the social distancing that will hopefully be required based on whatever guidelines come out for these call centers and really all workplaces, if everybody did show up at the call center in Indianapolis, could they all work? No. No, I, there would not be able to be uh, proper social distancing at that point. So I would say that they would not be able to. And I, I think that's one of those things that the IRS realizes nationally, but they are still trying to figure out um, each individual uh, site how to handle that. And I don't think they've got a uh, good answer on those. So those are discussions you'll be having with the management, I'm, I'm sure. So uh, we'll keep you up to date on that through our, our Facebook page and these weekly podcasts as well. Another issue that NTU is uh, committed to bringing before the management is this issue uh, with, with the daycare centers, with uh, some being open, some being closed. Not sure when they'll reopen or opening under limited basis. Your child may or may not. Uh, be there and have room. So I think with that, uh, the IRS, based on what we you've talked about before, seems to have been throwing their hands up and saying, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, you know, you're just going to have to figure out how to handle this on an individual basis. Yet NTEU has provided under the law options that the service has. And based on the discussions that you are familiar with, uh, the service doesn't seem to be very interested in that. So uh, talk about where that stands or where you think NTU needs to go with that issue. I think, I think you've described that very well. The IRS realizes that there's an issue with this among a great many of its employees, um, but doesn't really seem to want to try and find a solution to it because it would re- require some effort and some creative thinking and I don't know whether it's from the folks in uh, labor relations and HCO or what part of the service is skeptical or scared to try and look for outside-the-box options, but they're going to have to do something because, as you said, a lot of places you don't have the options where you usually would now where it's getting to be summertime where you'd be able to place these younger children that aren't allowed, aren't able or should be left home alone you know the camps aren't open a lot of daycare is not open so how do these employees that need to come into the office perform how do they work how are they going to be able to do that we haven't come up with any answers and basically the irs has been saying you know well we've we've come up with options but the irs is saying no that won't work no that won't work well why won't it well it just won't And unfortunately, that's going to impact an awful lot of people, and we're still pushing for different solutions. And I think as we open more and more states, this is going to, uh, the situation is going to greatly increase, and they're going to have to figure out something. And you touched on this earlier. Let's let's talk about this one more time. We've talked about it on on previous podcasts, but it's certainly, uh, in light of the current news, uh, worth discussing again. The service is saying if you are high risk and you cannot come into work or it's not safe to do so because you are high risk, you self-certify that. Now, that's the way it is now. Would excuse me? Would you recommend that employees who believe they're high risk and are self-certifying that say, I really cannot come in even to a socially distanced 
office safely with the with the risk factors I have health wise, be it age, health, or a combination. Uh, would you recommend that people keep uh, current documentation that as of this date, my physician, uh, my physician's office, whoever it might be, documentation that I have been judged to be high risk? There is a medical definition of that now. Uh, would you recommend people keep a written record of that in case someone asks for it later? Absolutely. Anything that they can do to show that it is documented that they are high risk is going to help because sooner or later there's going to be, I don't know if it'll be questions, but they'll say even if you're high risk, come in. And if somebody has a note from their physician or like you said, their physician's office saying, until there is a vaccine for COVID-19 or until it, uh, the curve really bends downward, we can't recommend that our patient go into uh, a situation where they're going to be mixing with large numbers of people. So anything of that nature, and right now, of course, it's darn near impossible to get into a doctor. It's better now than it was a month or two ago, but it's still a situation where you're able to self-certify, and the IRS has said nothing about needing more certification than just that at this particular moment. But I do foresee down the road, and how far down the road is anyone's guess, that that could change. Well, one last thing. I, I know that uh, uh, service has been telling NTU at the national level that they're having trouble getting in touch with some people. So would you recommend that people uh, who haven't heard anything at all from uh, their management uh, be proactive, contact their managers, make sure they have uh, current uh, uh, contact information on file with the IRS? Yeah, that's one thing we don't want to do. Is I, I, I'm a firm believer that your manager should have at least your basic information to get a hold of you. A lot of people say, well, I don't want my manager bothering me all the time. Well, they shouldn't be. But your manager, in cases of emergency or something like this, should be able to reach out to you and say, hey, this is what we've got going on. So anytime that you've got uh, that you believe that a manager does not have your correct phone information or contact information, I would advise you to make sure that you take steps to do that. If you don't know your manager's phone number or email and you want to, you know, it's been a while since you've contacted them and you want to, you know, know for sure what their email address is, is their, or their work number so you can leave that information, contact me. I'd be happy to give it to you. Uh, but, yeah, I would make sure that everything is updated. Uh, speaking of that, how can people contact you? Uh, during work hours, you can contact me at duncan.giles, G-I-L-E-S, at irs.gov. Phone number is 317-613-1731, or after hours or on the weekend, nteu49 at aol.com is the email address. And I do check that uh, fairly frequently. So I get back to people uh, fairly quickly as soon as I can just to try and get the information flowing. That's what we're trying to do is make sure everybody gets uh, information as soon as we can. And I you know, tip my hat and commend you for all that you've done to help the chapter make sure that these employees out there are getting the information that they're simply not getting from management a lot of times because management doesn't know. And as I understand the information, uh, managers will begin to contact their employees about all this next week, June 8th. So if you hear nothing, 
check with Duncan to make sure that uh, you have all the information you need and that uh, you have a way to contact your manager if your manager has not been contacting you. Because as I understand that communication, uh, you should be contacted just for the status of what's happening for this June 29th uh, scheduled reopening. Even if you're not expected to come in, you, you should be getting some sort of contact. Is that correct? I believe the services clarified that because, God forbid, they don't want people contacted too early to get more information. So the people that have to go back on the 15th should be contacted the week of the 8th. The people going back on the 29th, like those of us in Indiana, uh, they're looking to contact them the week of the 22nd. So if you haven't heard anything during the week of the 22nd from your manager... Um, you know, you may want to let me know so I can investigate further if there's an issue or if they're saying, okay, we've already determined they're high risk or with the call site employees, they may not call everybody back because of social distancing, depending upon how many spaces they have. And like I said, we'll share that information with you here on our podcast, on our Facebook page, once we have it, but we have not yet had those discussions with management simply because I think management hasn't been told how to deal with this yet. And and let's, uh, I, uh, just one last comment. Uh, don't get too impatient with your managers. They may be just as clueless as you. They're trying their best to, to get the most up-to-date information. And, and uh, you know, if they say they don't know, take them at their word. They don't know, and they're going to try to find out for you as well. So just a, a couple of words of warning. Now, if you're getting strange or, or just unresponsive uh, uh, situations, then you know, contact uh, one of your stewards that you know or Duncan, and uh, we can go further on that. Any last? I, I go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. I just on specifically on that. I just contacted a third level manager today, and they said, "Well, you know, I sent that directive out already." And I said, "Well, you may have to repeat it because some people communicate better than others." So, you know, I, I talk to executives from all over the country all the time. We have conversations almost constantly. And the vast majority of the time, they're going, what are you hearing? What do you know? Because they're not getting the message. So if executives aren't getting the message, you can be darn sure that your first-line manager really wants information, but they're not getting it either. So as Larry said, don't don't beat up on them if they say they don't know because they're not hiding it from you. They truly have been given no guidance or information on a, a lot of things. Our time is up. Any uh, last thoughts before we wrap this one up? No, I just I just want everybody to be safe out there. We've got COVID-19 um, you know, still out there. We still have a lot of cases in Indiana, so I want you to be safe from that. Do what you can for your fellow man and woman. Because we're all in this together. It doesn't matter what race, creed, color, gender, uh, anything, uh, you know, sexual preference, anything. We're all in this together. Judge people by who they are, not what they look like. Duncan Giles, president, NTEU Chapter 49. Duncan, thank you again for joining me on this podcast. And we'll be back next week. Thank you very much, Larry.